Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Kindling Helpline is all about helping you to tweak your family routine to make life a bit easier because we all know that babies and toddlers and small children like to challenge us a bit just when we think we've got everything down pat. They'll turn around and change. It goes out the window. It goes out the window. Chris Minogue is our mothercraft nurse extraordinaire. She's got over 30 years of experience helping families to... Uh, work out what the challenges are and guide them in yeah. the right direction. Chris also has a book called Bringing Baby Home, which helps you kind of get your head around those first few weeks and months of bringing your baby back after wherever it is you've had them. Chris, hello. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Uh, I host Kindling Conversation, which is on Monday to Friday. You can podcast us as well. If you have a question for Chris, now's the time to call us. It's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. You can text us on 0437-665-200. Or of course, you can pop your question underneath the video if you are watching us via Facebook. First up, we have a question from Bronwyn on the text line. It's about sleeping habits for newborns. Yep. Uh, I have a, hi Chris, I have a 20 month old and a two week old newborn. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I know this Busy. question. Wondering what the best way is to encourage good sleep habits with my newborn. After a feed, he currently takes a long time to settle back to sleep, and this is tricky with tending to my toddler's needs as well. I know it will take time, and he may need to be a little older, but just wondering how the best way to encourage him to self-settle. Okay, so this very new stage, I think the thing is to concentrate also on your feeding. So in that first three weeks, they tend to feed and sleep the two, are very connected so if he's really alert after a feed which for a two-week-old baby happens spasmodically normally for some of those feeds he would be sleepy enough that a cuddle would get him to sleep so I think the first thing is not to get too caught up just at this moment you've got a little bit of leeway um, but the thing I would probably suggest is at the point at where you're going to get him to sleep, try and put him down first. So you've fed him, cuddled him, um, he's getting sleepy and he's all cosy. So then wrap him, give him a little cuddle, put him down and tuck him in as a start point to introduce the practice of sleep, I think would be the best thing. But, you know, he's very young um, and I think I would just use that as a basis and not get too caught up in it. But around that four to six week mark, you're looking more at the consistency in which you're doing it. So you might even want to call back in a couple of weeks if it hasn't all settled down, but he's just new at the moment. So keep it really simple. Concentrate on the feeding because you've got that distraction of a 20 month old and then wrap, cuddle, pop him down and tuck him in. Good luck with that, Bronwyn. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. It's your opportunity to call in, or ask a question on Facebook. The number's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Pop your question underneath on Facebook. Um, it is great when people call in, though, because then Chris can ask you a few other questions. Yeah. I was really keen to know from Bronwyn how her 21-month-old was going because that was my struggle. Oh, really? Well, it was more... 
I was always the worried about juggle? getting them. Yeah. yeah, the juggle the between. Juggle. Chris is good at the yeah, juggle. Yeah, the juggle between the two of them. <laughs> and the phone number is one eight hundred five four three double seven two. If you'd like to call, and then you can ask specific questions yeah, about that. Um, Kate on the text line has a six month old. Mm-hmm. Um, she says her boy, her six month old, is breastfed and generally only feeds when going to sleep. He has been on solids since four and a half months and is a good eater, but now wants to feed a lot during the uh-huh. night, keeping me up. And the only way to get him back to sleep is putting him on the breast. It's hard feeding during the day unless it's sleep time as he is very alert. I have to cover him with a wrap to block out all the distractions. I also have a two and a half year old boy, so lots going on. How do I get him to breastfeed better in the day and sleep longer at night? Decrease his solids. (laughs) This is where it gets very tangled, but this is like the juggle that we were just talking about. And I think what inadvertently had happened in the early stages is because you've got this very active little toddler around you, you tend to feed to sleep because it makes it easier to get the baby to sleep. And now we're in this pattern where the baby only associates that feeding to sleep. So, you know, why you're getting more frequent wake-ups at night are twofold. So one is when he wakes up, he thinks he needs a feed to go back to sleep. And two is that often if they're, um, because he's only six months, isn't he? So often if they're feeding, overfeeding in terms of solids in the day, they just take little drinks from you in the day and that distraction. So then at night they revert and they want their full feeds. So it's a matter of trying to work out here which of the two things going on is the easiest to break first. So the first thing I would do is if he's six months old, I'd limit his food to two meals a day of only about two tablespoons to get him hungry enough and interested enough to take the breastfeeds in the day. And then once you've conquered that little part of it, then I would start to decrease my feeding at night. And the simplest rhythm to use at that point would be the first time he wakes up, he gets resettled. But the second time he wakes up, he gets a full feed. You need him to take both sides and then the third time he wakes up he gets resettled and then the fourth time it's probably morning and we start on a full feed in the morning. So we've got to slowly decrease those feeds at night and not overfeed him solids in the day. So it's a little bit tricky, but if you take it in two steps, fixing the day first and then working on the nights, you'll start to find that he will turn that pattern around for you. Good luck, Kate. Kylie via Facebook says, um, you guys, Chris, <laughs> gave me some great, great help last time regarding tr- transitioning my daughter before our second child arrives. So now I'm hoping you can give me some advice regarding where to get some help with eating issues in our two-year-old, which is causing overnight and early morning waking due to hunger. So she's two. She might be considered fussy at home. She has got the point, but she's got to the point where she's rejecting almost all food at dinner time, and the food fight has become so frustrating that I dread the end of the day every day. That sucks, Kylie. Oh, Kylie, this is this is probably not uncommon to lots of people with two-year-olds, where you think they're just rejecting one meal and suddenly they've got control over every single meal. So I think the first thing here is to reassure you that some of this fussiness is just purely two-year-olds. And sometimes it can be much more than that. So how do we decipher who's who's the bossy little child who's just pulling the strings and who's the child that really has an issue? So the first thing I would do with your two-year-old is cut out the snacking. So for a couple of days, I'd just offer her three meals, you know, somewhere around 7, somewhere around 11.30, 12, somewhere around the 5 o'clock window, give her drinks of water in between, 
maybe even a tiny bit of fruit in between, but really cut the snacking down. Second thing is give her a reasonable meal for her age. So make sure you initially offer things that you think she will eat and then give her a reasonable time frame to eat them in. So let's say 20 minutes to half an hour and sit down with her when she's eating. So don't let her wander around. So this is by no means easy because she, she's in a little world of her own at the moment. The third thing is, doesn't matter how much she's eaten overnight uh, during the day, it's got nothing to do with what she's doing overnight. She'd have to eat absolutely nothing in the day for that to be disturbing her night. So, And she might be because we haven't got all that information in there. So I'd start to give her regular uh, feeding times food that she eats just for a couple of days before you introduce things that are new, a reasonable time frame to eat it in, and then the rest is behaviour. But there is, there's a really good um, uh, way of working out if she's a fussy eater or not, and it's got to do with the history of her eating. So that's a long conversation. So if you wanted to call in and we could have more of a conversation, because the other last bit, as you would know, Siobhan, the reality of what we think they eat and the reality of what a parent thinks they eat could be two different realities. Yes, my daughter is a fussy eater up until, oh, six, and she's six now. Yeah. <laughs> and she's only just started eating chicken. But, uh, trust me, a lot of it is about the perceived behaviour than the reality of them being a fussy eater. And I've got to say, I mean, I don't know that this would work for two-year-olds because she's quite your um, quite daughter's quite young. But um, what we we ended up doing, which I wish I'd done a lot earlier with our kids, was um, and and people have said this, dietitians have said this to me on yeah, the show, yeah. was to um, have little bits of food but on a platter in front of them and they choose what they eat. Yeah, and that but the was parents the way still we gets. I the parent still goes, oh, my goodness, they haven't eaten very much. And we go, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. If and anything it's like doesn't Mako. matter is too hard because you think that the eating is the biggest part. But yeah. actually, you know, they're very clever at getting what they need. Yes. But you're right, group eating, putting it on a plate. A two-year-old, I don't think, should have to be, I think, closer to three to engage that here's you know, selection. Yeah. Well, not even that, even if it was the spaghetti and the spaghetti bolognese for them to actually engage and go, oh, mummy's eating it so I can eat it. That's that yeah. older child right. that it works really well with, you know, that three and above. Yeah. So I think I'd go with timing and size. And no snacks. And no snacks. Mm. And pretty much every dietitian and every it's food so simple, person will say, no snacks. It's so simple. I mean, some, for some reason, we get to a point as we parents do. where we think we've got to offer, offer them, food them food all the, the time. The food is the gratification. Interestingly, when I was at a conference about fussy food eaters, they were talking about how parents, if you watch them in a group, like a play group, they actually drip feed their children because they're out and they're socialising and that that has an impact on the way they perceive eating. So it's a really interesting mm. thing. To, to go into and look at is the, the other, fussy eaters. And the other thing that you told me about as well was um, milk. I know that's yeah, yeah. but not having too much milk yeah. in between foods. Yeah, because it, it fills them up. Yeah. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Um, if this is your first time joining us, Chris is with us every Monday. You can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. Your question, you can call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. We love it when you call because Chris can ask you lots <laughs> of different questions and get to the heart of the issue. You can also pop your question below this video if you're watching us on Facebook. 
This next question is from Mel on the text line. She says, Hi, Chris. Our four-and-a-half-month-old baby has put on approximately 20 grams over two weeks. She's been formula-fed for the last three months, but she has constant reflux with all feeds, regardless of the formula brand. We have now added a thickener, which has helped, but the reflux is still happening. We don't know what else to do. She's tried lactose-free formula recently, which has helped change her poo, but not vomiting Mm -hmm. and she's been to see the family GP and has an appointment upcoming with a pediatrician so all the right things just wondering if you have some so I think you you it is a classic reflux baby and I suspect the pediatrician or following on from there like a pediatric gastroenterologist who often deals with these really severe reflux will give her a medication to help stop the vomiting so um, you said here, the only interesting thing is you tried lots of different formulas, which is great, and then you tried the thickener. Um, generally, the AR or formulas on the market, which are the anti-reflux formulas, will do the trick in this case. So you don't have to add a thickener to it. So say you're on a particular brand, usually within that brand line, they will have what's called an AR formula, an anti-reflux formula. And that might just stop the fiddliness of what you're doing, as in you have to make up something and add something to it. And in saying that with the reflux formulas, um, they do go like cement, which is the whole idea of them. So you make them up literally just before you feed the baby and you often need a teat size bigger than the one you were meant to be using for the age group. So I would try that but it wouldn't surprise me if Mel if you ended up down the line of seeing a paediatric gastroenterologist depending on how the paediatrician sort of runs um, the treatment for you and the baby. So I think you're heading in the right direction. don't think you're doing anything wrong but you could probably try an anti reflux formula just to make it a little bit easier for you. Good luck, Mel. Uh, Natalie from Facebook says, Hi, ladies. My nine-month-old has started to bite me and pull my hair. (laughs) But you're not wearing earrings either. (laughs) What can I do to discourage him? Yeah, this is when all the mother's hair goes really short. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the first thing is that the biting is um, not intentional. So it's usually when they're quite happy, it's weird. It's when they're happy, you pick them up and they bite your shoulder. Um, So with that type of biting, we know he's going to do that. So sometimes when we pick him up and we've got him up here, I turn them around and sit them in my arms for a couple of days so that they don't have the opportunity to bite. And usually it just goes away. Uh, The pulling of the hair, that's just fascinating to them. They see hair, they want to tactile touch it and they pull it. So you know he's going to do that. So maybe for a few days, just having your hair tied back again, the less he does it, the less he knows that he can do it. So I'd tie your hair back a few days. Um, If he grabs hold of it, we usually just go, ah, 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 and then release his hand. It's not really something, it's not like a toddler having a tantrum who yanks on your hair. I think this is unintentional and very tactile and it's the same with the biting so when you pick him up and give him a cuddle before you sort of put him up to your shoulder I just turn him around the other way so he doesn't get the opportunity to bite and the same pulling your hair back tying it back and he'll probably pretty much remember to forget to do it so with nine months old when you were saying then you go ah, ah, ah don't do yeah. that um are those sorts of signals those verbal signals do they yeah. work with nine month old yeah yeah it ah, 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 does so yeah. you do, do you say no or you say no I try not to use no only because we use no a lot in 
just in general in parenting. So this is just like a little warning sound. Uh, uh, uh. And so you often use it. Um, so say he's getting to that pull to stand, he's just about to touch something, he's not unsure, and you don't want him to go no all the time. I just go, ah, 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 and they sort of go, oh, there's a sound, and it sort of distracts them from what they're doing. Okay. But I think this is a tactile response in him. You know, okay. He's just very touchy, bitey, feely. All right. Well, I hope he stops biting you now. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Megan has a 32-month-old. 32, um, two my, and a half. My daughter, two and a half, okay. has become very intense and difficult over the past week. Yeah. She's usually a very relaxed, easy child, but is frantic about going to bed now, waking up for hours each night. Very demanding for attention during the day. Is this an expected change? I'm also thinking perhaps her lack of sleep is causing the behavioural changes and perhaps she might be sick. This has been really out of the blue. We had big changes several months ago, move and no more daycare, but she's been very easygoing every day. But suddenly, last weekend, she was screaming for two hours at bedtime and so full on all the time. Okay. So the hard thing about this is that some of those behaviours are normal in a a two-and-a-half-year-old. I think the only question that isn't answered here is whether she has a day's sleep or not. And if so, how long does she have it for? So sometimes if she was still having a day sleep, that two hours of screaming at bedtime is related to the fact that she's still having a day sleep. So best scenario is she's having a day sleep. She needs five and a half hours from when she wakes up before you put her down. And that might just decrease the intensity of what's going on for you. So that's one version. The other one is she doesn't have a day sleep and she's overtired by the time you put her to bed and she's almost manic. So at two and a half, I would think they would need at least a 40 minute sleep, if not an hour sleep and be awake by two to go down calmly around 2.30. So let's put that as our sort of parameters. If she's given up day sleep, she probably just needs to go to bed earlier. She is overtired by the end of the day and she might need to go to bed at 6.30 for a couple of days until she catches that back up again. Um, Okay, so we've uh, got extra information. Um, Previously, they used to let her nap as long as she wanted and she's cut it down down to to 90. So cut it down again. Cut it down to about an hour and put her down five and a half hours after the window that you've got her up. And and for a a two-and-a-half-year-old generally, I'd have them awake by 2 to get them into bed by 7.30. And the other thing is um, because she's so out of sorts and she has been calm, I don't think she's sick because I think that would manifest it in other ways. So something's bothering her. So let's take things a little bit slower with her. So you know she's going to be difficult at bedtime. So why don't we try something along the lines of sitting with her a little bit longer, starting the bedtime routine a little bit earlier so that you can be with her for a little bit longer, um, to put her down and maybe leave an audio book, you know, one of the audio books for her to listen to just to keep her much calmer so that the we've taken taken the anxiety out of it to see if that changes her behavior. So um, I, my gut feeling is she isn't sick because they usually, you can tell with a two and a half year old if they're sick. So I think for her, something's just out of, out of sync for her. Um, so we'll reduce the sleep a little bit to make it a little bit easier for you. Watch the timing and give her a little bit longer in that period for getting her to sleep. And she might just calm down enough for you to obviously see what the problem might be for her. 
All right, Megan, I hope it's nothing. Yeah. I hope it's just a little phase she's going through for you. This is uh, Kindling Helpline with Chris Minogue, Mothercraft nurse of over 30 years experience, and this is Kindling Conversation. We have time for a few more questions, but we do need to wrap up in about five or so minutes. So if you'd like to call, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772, or you can pop your question below if you're watching us on Facebook. Erin has a three-year-old, and she says, Tantrums, help! <laughs> My three-year-old boy is just going crazy over everything at the moment. Yes, I'm feeling yeah. you. We have started toilet training because he said he wanted to, which is fine. Uh-uh. But now we have tantrums over everything from going to the toilet to what to I want to eat, but then you make something and he says, no, no, you take it off him. Then he throws mm, the tantrum because you took it off him. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Note that I also have seven-month-old twins. Ah, now we have found the answer. (laughs) That are amazing and don't actually take up as much time Time. as expected. So I don't put his behaviour down to having twins. Okay, Erin. No. What can we do about this? It does sound like a three-year-old, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Does that three-year-old sort of live in your house occasionally? Yes, (laughs) he does. (laughs) So I think that his behaviour is probably exacerbated by the fact that there's twins. I think the behaviour himself is just a normal three-year-old doing normal three-year-old things. Um, so you say that the twins are amazing, which must mean that you've got a bit of time in the day for him. Um, so when they're sleeping here, you might have time for him. The other thing that happens with three-year-old boys, and this is a bit of a side thing, but it might, it might give you an insight to why he's crazy, is they have a peak of testosterone and they need to run, run, run. So if you can let them run, let them climb, let them build a cubby house and be a little bit part of that, go for a five-minute run with him. I know that's hard with twins. Um, Let him make a a cubby house out of the cushions of the lounge. Weirdly, their behaviour changes. So I think there's a lot in that about boys have to be physical. And if, you know, these good twins are really good, you might be... He might be at home, might be a little bit bored, and that's why he um, is sort of exploding every time you ask him to do things. The other thing is um, don't give him choice unless you've got time for it. So if you haven't got time for it, don't give him choice. So don't say, do you want your milk in the red and the blue or the blue cup if you don't want to play the game that you end up giving him milk in both those cups. So if you haven't got time for it, just give him the milk. If you haven't got time for the choice in the meal, just give him the meal. If you haven't got time for the tantrum about clothing him, get him dressed as soon as he gets up. And that alleviates some of these tantrums. And so therefore you perceive him to be better. Okay. Mm. But good luck. Good luck, Erin. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm feeling you. Look, our last question is from Laura, who's on the phone. She has a 13-month-old who is He's, joining us. Yes, I can hear them. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hi. I'm good, thank you. Uh, yes, so I have a 13-month-old daughter um, who in the past few weeks has been uh, dropping down to one nap a day. Yep. Uh, and I don't know if that's a problem. Um, she's also cut her 15th tooth last night. So she's Ten, four, pretty six. busy on the teeth. Yes. Um, and I just yes, mostly she's got them nearly all. I know. Other than her eye teeth. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> she so, has um, been busy. She's, yeah, generally a very disrupted sleeper anyway. Yeah. Um, so the nap is now... Yeah, good dishwasher. The, the nap is um, about an hour and a half, ideally. But sometimes, like today, she's just done 40 minutes, oh. which is not enough. So no. 
back. You're going to have to do another 40 minutes somewhere along the line, even if you yeah. do the second one in the car. Okay, so you feel she's ready for one sleep. Yeah, she bites me going to sleep or for oh. feeds in the afternoon if I try and put it down. She bites you? Yeah. She, Gee, there's I'm a lot of bites this to, week, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I thought the same when someone <laughs> called through. Um, when I try and calm and sit her down, she gets aggravated and crabby at me. If um, I'll just put I her in assume. a cot. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's start from the beginning. Usually a baby's ready for one sleep around the 14-month mark. So how far is she oh, off good. 14 months? Oh, she'll be 14 months, like in two weeks. So okay, so let's try this. Let's regulate the time that you put it down for that one sleep in the day to see if everything settles. So okay. I would, regardless of what time she woke up, I'd give her lunch at, at 11 and okay. I'd put it down at 11.30. So for right. a couple of days, if you put her in the car between, say, 9 and 11, she'll fall asleep for 10 minutes and it ruins the whole day. So you have to have her home in the morning. Yep. To give her lunch at 11, then put it down at 11.30. But she will only cope on one sleep if she does two hours or more. So mm, that might be where I'm it's thinking. coming unstuck because okay. she's not sleeping long enough and getting overtired within the whole day. So mm. one, regulate it for three days and see if it makes a difference. Okay, okay. so if she sleeps from 11.30 to, say, uh, 1.30, you need to put it down mm-hmm. at 6.30. So she doesn't get overtired. Okay, so you've got those parameters. Now, if you do that and she's completely out of whack and, you know, she only sleeps for an hour one day and an hour and a half the next day, then go back to giving her two sleeps. But the first one is only for about 10 to 20 minutes in the car. So between 9.30 and 10. Mm-hmm. So you're driving somewhere, like to mother's group or something like mm-hmm. that. And she has this little micro sleep and then put her down at one thirty. Okay. And so, so she sleeps earlier than aim for a later. Yeah, that's right. Time. But mm-hmm. what you want to do is deliberately do one of them for three days. And if it's okay. not working, then deliberately do the other one for three days. Don't let her right. rule each day because it's a chaotic mm. pattern and it's like her being jet lagged. Yeah. It's yeah. To have a hangover, what I've been calling hangover. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So don't be scared to put it to bed at 6.30. Just mm. go, well, that's you're very good, sweet yeah. and I love you, but you need to go to yeah. bed. So I can yeah. love you more. <laughs> yes, don't wake up till six thirty. That's no. right, pretty much. That's <laughs> what everyone's that's greatest okay. wishes. Oh, yeah. So give that Indeed. a try and come back and tell us whether it worked or not. Yeah, I will. Thank you. That's great advice. Thank Good you. luck, Laura. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. So thank you everyone for all your questions. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. And remember, of course, that all of our uh, interviews are online at kindling.com.au or you can subscribe to our podcast and you can go back and listen to all the different uh, pieces of advice that Chris has given. Chris, as always, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's always a pleasure. 